you better put like a warning on, like not safe for work. We're going to talk about Elizabeth Bennett reaming Mr. Darcy over a desk in the parlor. It's fine. What do you think the opening quote is going to be? (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. Welcome to the Skiffy and Fatty Show, Torture Cinema. When I touch women, they get pregnant. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, well, that was gross. Uh, I'm Alex, a very disgusted Alex. <laughs> and I'm Sean. And on today's show, we'll tell you what we're drinking and discuss 1991's Abraxas, Guardian of the Universe, which our Patreon supporters selected because they're absolute monsters. I just want you to know that that was a script I just read, but I agree with it 100%. Fuck you, people. <laughs> I just think I've been roping some some poor Skiffy and Fanti friends into this, including Daniel and Steven. Steven was there for the live Discord chat, and then Daniel got roped into watching it without us. So he didn't even have a support group for this process. He just went and watched it by himself. Oh, I mean, there should be a warning on that thing. Like... <laughs> And the only place you can find this this gem, by the way, is Tubi. Or YouTube. There's a version on YouTube. Okay. See, I didn't know that. I just knew about Tubi, which I, I actually Googled because I was like, this sounds like a scam. And then I was like, oh, they've actually just fucking reinvented TV. Yep. But it's one where, where like the commercials definitely improve the quality of the film. Yeah, I mean, it does help because it feels so much like a TV movie from, like, the 1970s. And so it helps to have those commercials in between because at least it feels like it's an experience you might have had when you were a child. Which you or I very much remember watching stuff on TV, you know, when there was, like, Mm -hmm. events. Uh, That's a thing that all the youngins don't get because they've got Netflix, you bastards. (laughs) We had to sit through shit like this. Like, Like, when it was on, you committed. You're like, I spent, I, I committed two hours of my life to watch this crappy TV movie. The first 10 minutes were awful, but I'm committed now. I have to finish okay. this process. Sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, before we get into what we're drinking, our summary, our painful review, all those things is a friendly reminder that we want to hear from you. If you have thoughts about this movie or other things that we've discussed on the show, go to skiffyandfandy.com slash listeners suggestions. Share your comments with us. Share topic suggestions if you'd like to talk about something. We're working on putting together a mailbag episode, so more thoughts is better. So let us know what you thought. If you watched this, and it is on Tubi, and it is available in Canada, so you have no excuse if you live in Canada for not watching it. Oh, David uh, Annandale has absolutely no excuse to not watch this. Where are you, David? You fucking coward! <laughs> what yeah 100 percent. david will have to watch this so i don't know if this is available in other countries uh but 100 percent available in canada because it is in fact a canadian production so thank you canada i just wanted to say i did not know it was a canadian production but the entire fucking time i was watching it i was like god this movie seems really canadian did they film it in canada in fact it released theatrically on march 1st 1991 in toronto So, it's so Canadian, it didn't even get a U.S. release date. 
Oh my god! Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this as uh, there's that great, great song that's in uh, that's one of the South Park movies called "Blame Canada," and I feel mm-hmm. like this should have been one of the lyrics. Oh god, right? Like you guys gave us Tim Hortons, and you also gave us Abraxas, Guardian of the Universe. <laughs> Canada gives with one hand and takes with the other. <laughs> Thanks, Canada. <laughs> to be fair, we gave Canada Batman vs. Superman, so I feel like it, it's it's even. <laughs> I take no responsibility for anything Zack Snyder does. I've been warning people for years, no one listened to me, and this is what happened. Yeah, I guess it would be fair to say that nobody was properly warned about this film because there wasn't social media then. No, Sean, no one was warned about this film because nobody watched it. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Even James Belushi, who's in this film for a hot minute, effectively reprising his role from the principal. (laughs) He he didn't even watch this film. He Mm -mm. just showed up on set because he was married to one of the actresses. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. Well, on that note, we got to get to what we're drinking because that's what this is all about. So, Alex, what are you drinking? So, a- as we were having our, our discussion, you you may be able to tell listeners that I pre-gamed slightly. Um, <laughs> I finished. I poured myself a a double of uh, Tullamore Dew in my Irish whiskey museum like souvenir shot glass, and I finished sipping that while we were discussing, and now I am having a Breckenridge Brewery Nitro Irish Stout. Ooh, nice. It is very tasty. It is a smooth, cascading, dry stout brewed with roasted Irish malts. Are we going to read out what they say? I don't know. I just feel like, you know, fine Colorado ales. I'm a walking advertisement for all of our local breweries. Except Coors, because fuck you, Coors. (laughs) Well, awesome. That sounds very good. I'm in similar camps, Alex, in terms of type of beverage. I am also drinking a stout, but I happen to be drinking an imperial chocolate peanut butter. Well, they say it's a porter, I guess. It's not really a stout, but it's close. Uh, And this is from Lopalum Brewery. It it is called Imperial CPB. And uh, since we're doing this reading thing, uh, given that this is a local brewery to Minnesota, even more layers of decadent chocolate and peanut butter flavor built into a big and rich oatmeal porter make this beer even more impossible to resist, even more so than Secundus. We're still not sorry. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) i'm very sorry sean is not sorry i am not sorry at all because uh there's going to be lots of secundus impressions through this whole fucking thing get yourselves prepared where are your women why do you hide your women in exotic dance clubs oh my god I do like that he doesn't know what a human woman looks like, broadly broadly defined human woman. Like he literally is saying the fact that he literally. Okay, so I I do want to note in in a moment of seriousness, listeners. I I think you know there is like a trigger warning for this episode because while it is not like a graphic thing, the dude straight up rapes a lady and implants her with an embryo that she then gives birth to like five minutes later. So, and yet didn't realize that she was a human. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. It's super gross. He Just Just be aware of that. Like literally the dude walks around earth and instead of like watching a TV show or something, he just like goes up to random people and asks, are you a mating member of your your race? What? <laughs> like nobody talks like that, dude. Ask your answer box. Ask, ask your answer box how to talk to people to find women. Oh, God, it was so bad. It was it's just bad. So bad. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so 
for the main event, we're going to talk, we are talking about Abraxas, Guardian of the Universe, and Sean is going to do the summary because I just could not. So the basic premise of this movie is that Jesse Ventura wanted to have an acting career, and he decided that he would take a role that was left by the now much more famous Arnold Schwarzenegger, who did not take this role because this role was even beneath Arnold at the period of time before he became famous for T2. So I just want to put that out there that you all understand. So Jesse Ventura took the Arnold role, which seems confusing given that Sven Ole Thorsen is the one with the very thick accent in here. He's a Danish strongman, uh, and he very much has the Arnold brogue, as it were. The story follows Abraxas, played by Jesse Ventura, and his friend-slash-former-colleague-slash-I guess rebel, as it were, uh, Secundus. Secundus has left this order of what are called finders from the planet of Sargatia, and he has decided to seek power above all else. And to do that, he needs to basically implant the anti-life equation inside of a woman by way of pregnancy, which he does by touching her belly, which, as you know, is how you do it in most other uh, interstellar cultures. Uh, And then he must make that child super scared until the child blows up and he manages to get all the power from it. I don't quite understand. Anyway, so that's kind of what he's doing. Meanwhile, Abraxas has been tasked as the finder to go, I guess, find him. He has been in the force for 10,000 years, which is apparently not very long. He doesn't even get to retire yet. Uh, He's still got another 37,000 to go before he officially can take his pension. Uh, He basically goes to Earth, and he wants to find Secundus and stop him. In the beginning of this, he does manage to stop him and get him caught, but Secundus has managed to impregnate a woman by the name of Sonia, who uh, gives birth, as Alex pointed out, in a matter of seconds, and Abraxas is supposed to terminate her and the baby all in one, but can't do it. And eventually, later on, Secundus gets away again, and he's going after the kid, and Abraxas goes after him, and that's basically the the story. They're in, like, a sleepy town in the middle of nowhere. They're just two beefy dudes chasing each other around, and then uh, there's some awkward moments where, like, Jesse Ventura apparently gets to have, like, a romantic entanglement with the character of Sonia Murray, played by Marjorie Bransfield. So that's that's the plot. That's it. That's more plot than I understood after watching it. So thank you, Sean. You're welcome. I watched this twice. I love myself, so I didn't. Well, I don't. I like to torture myself. Torture yourself? <laughs> Were you going to say you like to torture yourself? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. That was very rude. <laughs> what did you think I said? Oh, no, it's not only you <laughs> I like to touch myself. <laughs> and then you changed your mind at the last second. You're like, oh no, I can't say that on a podcast. So I tried to turn touch into torture. Is that, yeah. Yeah, so you touch her yourself. That's right, Alex. I like to touch her myself. <laughs> oh boy. Oh wow. It's been a while since I think we've had that kind of laugh from you, Alex. So. <laughs> reminder sean if that is your real name now on to our likes and dislikes sean (laughs) (laughs) what's my first like is that what you're asking me oh god god this movie this movie has broken us apparently sean your first like (laughs) oh my first like well okay if i'm honest 
it makes no sense in the film, but I adore the soundtrack oh my so God. much. Because I okay, so fo- folks will know that I'm like kind of a synthwave junkie, and this is very like '80s style. It's got it's in a lot of ways. It's like it's like a low rent Blade Runner. You know, it's not Tangerine Dream. It's probably like some dude named Bob and like his mom's basement or something, with like three keyboards. Yeah, like... but like there's some really interesting stuff like in it. There's some like cool smooth jazz stuff. None of it makes sense in the context of the movie. I shit you not, Alex. The first time we get one of those like smooth jazzy things is when he, he fir- Abraxas first catches Secundus, and I thought for a moment like, oh, they are definitely gonna fuck right now. Because <laughs> no, it's fuck music. See, that, that, no, that is totally where I was at too, which is why I find this this thing about the soundtrack surprising. But you're right. Like, divorced entirely from the concept of the movie, it is like, it's you know, Blade Runner and porn movie had a baby. And it's fine. Fun fact about the <laughs> about No, I mean, no, shot like... What is even, like, when they're having their weird fight in the abandoned factory, because, of course, there's an abandoned factory, like, the fucking song that starts playing? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> it's like some, I don't know what the tune is, but it totally does not fit the sequence. It's supposed to be scary. And it's yeah. like, we're, it's almost like what we're getting is, like, the montage shot from, like, like Rocky movie. Like, that's what it feels like is happening at that moment. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. It's it is super weird. Now I think it's interesting that you mention that uh, the the soundtrack sounds suspiciously like uh, porn because oh no I will just oh, no. say that the producer and director of this movie his very first film he ever did oh was no a, was a movie called Hot Teenage Assets. Oh my god, that actually explains. So much about this film. And I oh just my wanna, god! I just wanted to tell you what the what the brief, very brief, one sentence summary of Hot Teenage Assets is from 1978, and it reads as as follows: Kathy's boyfriend tries to talk her into having anal sex. That's it. <laughs> That's the plot. <laughs> so it's very like Great Expectations. Very great. Yeah, you're right. It, it's almost like, um, honestly, it feels like a Jane Austen novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like like when when um, that extremely key scene where where Elizabeth Bennett and Mr. Darcy were discussing pegging. Yeah, I mean that's a thing that a lot of scholars miss about that particular work. <sighs> it's and a shame. Honestly, I wish that more scholars would talk about it. It's it's ripe for scholarship, and it's just a shame that everyone's too cowardly. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's amazing to me that we don't have a a feminist porn interpretation of any of the Austen novels, for that matter. Yeah how how did how did we end up with Pride and Prejudice and Zombies before, before we ended up with Pride and Pegging? Okay, I just want to note there has to be a Pride and Pegging. I am gonna fucking Google this shit. Okay, it exists. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, it's like a it's like a fucking Amazon. Yeah, it's like an Amazon book called Pride and Pegging, a Regency Romantic Comedy. Sounds like it's maybe not, like, it doesn't sound like a legitimate story. No, no, it it sounds very uh, in the same, like, it lifts two doors down from the Tinglers. Yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like. Well, that's kind of sad. Well, I mean, there obviously needs to be, like, a very serious historical take on this, like a costume (laughs) drawing. With pegging. I'm just saying all of these, you know, all these these big name executive producers that I know listen to our our podcast, call, call me. 
I've got ideas. Honestly, like, look, they made fucking Caligula, you know? So why not? I mean, for heaven's sakes, they made Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, that's that's not literally a pornography, but like... Yeah, yes, but see, the difference here is... is... We want to bend the patriarchy over the tape <laughs> and not reinforce it with, with extremely bad, not accurate D and S. Yeah. You better put like a warning on like not safe for work. We're gonna talk about Elizabeth Bennett reaming Mr. Darcy over a desk in the parlor. It's fine. What do you think the opening quote is going to be? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you son of a bitch. The fact that we've been talking about pegging for five minutes instead of this movie has improved my night immensely. You're welcome. (laughs) But anyway, so back to the music. (laughs) But yeah, so I just, I really thought the soundtrack was actually quite well done for, honestly, doesn't belong in this movie at all. It's actually more high quality than the film. I mean, that I don't know if I agree with, but it definitely does not fucking belong in this movie by any stretch of the imagination. I was into it. Uh, That's all I'm going to say. I just got, I was very confused because there were so many moments where I was like, so is this, is this when there's fucking? And and it's weird, like how many scenes in the movie sound like it's got porn music and then I like honestly don't even remember what was playing in the strip club scene other than like... The director was like, how about a close-up of a lady's butt with a G-string for like 45 seconds? Oh, yeah. You know what's weird about this movie is it was at one point rated R, and they took out one brief nudie scene so they could get it down to PG-13, which I find amusing because it means that they thought that this film might have a wider release than it actually did. They, they were like, children need to be scarred by watching Jesse Ventura naked in a bed with a child God, it's, sitting next. Why? I, it's, I mean, why? It's, it's slightly less creepy than the way I described it, but only slightly. It's super weird. It's it's very weird. <laughs> okay, okay, we got it. All right, I've given music. So, Alex, give us what your your like is. So, my like, and I admit it is a reach because. <laughs> Wow. I was actually extremely amused by the one tiny scene where the inept deputy who's swinging his baton around like it's, you know, he's in the fucking color guard is in whatever like cafe or whatever. And he gets a shot of wheatgrass juice. And that just kind of like took me back to when that was a thing where you could get like a fucking shot of wheatgrass juice at Jamba Juice. And everyone thought it was a good idea, despite the fact that it tastes like you're licking the blades of a lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. But he drank it, and he made a he made a great face. He does make a good face. So, so you like the presentation of wheatgrass in this movie? Yes, I, I I feel like not enough movies from the '90s are willing to admit that wheatgrass juice was a thing for a while before, like I don't know, kombucha showed up or some shit. So what you're saying is that you wanted to note that you appreciate that the Wheatgrass Juice Institute was very much a present in the production of this film and and contributed. Yeah, like we had um it was it was an accurate and timely yeah. raising awareness for the public of this extremely disgusting thing that everyone from Boulder claimed was super good for you despite the fact that it tastes like um a potted plant shit in your mouth. <laughs> I mean, really what you're saying is it's almost like the crystal pe- Pepsi of of health foods. Yes. 
Yes, but but much more colorful. That is true. Certainly more colorful. On the subject of, uh, is the police officer's thing going to be one of your your dislikes? I mean, I have an extremely broad <laughs> dislike, and since we're only going to have one, I you don't need to worry about me getting into like detail. Okay, so. Was I, were you also confused about the police? Like, so there are two police officers. The one who's like very like small town, like, ah, chill out guy. The, the one who had a per, like a loose perm who, who looked a bit um like a Brooke Shields perm. Yeah. And then the other guy. I was super confused because it seemed to me that they were doing two very contradictory things. One was they wanted him to seem kind of hippie-ish because he was... He, like, has a moment when he talks about, like, oh, there's processed stuff and all the foods and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then they also have him, like, being, like, gung-ho about, like, we got to make sure to, like, push the law really hard. And, like, is he, there's a moment in the movie where he basically is wanting to cite this, like, farmer for bringing his... I don't know why he brought his forklift or whatever. Okay, so see, like that to me didn't actually seem like such of a so much of a conflict in a character, mostly because I grew up near Boulder, Colorado. So you totally get like wheatgrass juice fascists. Okay, so that's the thing I've not experienced that, is a thing. that much. And so that's why I was very confused because to me, the guy who I thought was going to be more fascistic was the cop who's been there the whole time. But he's actually the one that's like very very chill and he's actually like the kind of cop that you you kind of like him you know you would actually mm-hmm. talk because he, he's not that he's he's about the spirit of the law versus the the like the actual letter of the law so for him it's like you don't you don't cite everybody for everything you kind of read the context of the situation you kind of have to understand the community right in its needs and so you he sees himself literally as a peace officer it's very sort of idealistic where the other guy is like no 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 like we're on con- we're under constant attack but also like give me my like vegan chai wheatgrass whatever i mean sean all you need to remember to put that in in a context is remember there's the 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 little fascist that got arrested from the the capital riot who's the shaman who demanded nothing but organic vegan food oh yeah you're right don't yeah so that's like that guy 30 years ago so like it's like a thing the nazis were into like some health food shit man it's weird they just ruin everything oh yeah (laughs) anyway so let me think we both had a like yep mine was apparently (laughs) we went off into wheatgrass nazi land (laughs) and now we have to go to dislikes alex I just like that this movie was so plainly a ripoff of Terminator or trying to ride the wave of the original Terminator's popularity to the point that they found a blonde lady to to try to be in the Linda Hamilton role who is impregnated with a special child <laughs> and... Oh my god, that woman just needs to do a hot oil treatment on her hair. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It made me sad every time I had to look at her. And I'm not even that gay, and it was still bothering me every time she was on screen. I'm not like a stylist gay. But I was still just like, girl, you need help. Your hair is crying. It's in the desert. It's about to die of thirst. And But I mean, like... When you think of this horrible, stupid, incredibly boring, and deeply silly film with its terrible special effects, in the lens of they were just trying to make Terminator, but Canadian and bad, (laughs) like, 
instead of Arnold, you've got Jesse Ventura and you've got the Swedish guy in plaid. Because they didn't have the special effects budget for, like, Terminator vision, they just had their stupid, like, little wrist radios. But the entire, like, even the way they're talking is, is like, a takeoff on how Arnold talks in that movie. The entire plot, where it's like, a guy is supposed to kill the kid, is, like, very Terminator. And a guy is trying to protect the kid, and they just were like, ooh, we're gonna be super clever and, like, switch the roles. Mm-hmm. So, it's just, it's so... It is so blatant. It was just like, come the fuck on. Well, it it plagiarizes in some other ways too, Alex, which I I know that Steven mentioned in the Discord live chat, which is this also steals very explicitly from Jack Kirby in the DC Comics universe. Oh, see, that I don't know because I do not do comics. Because the anti-life equation, which is the thing that is inside this boy and which our character Secundus II is looking for, is also the thing that Darkseed looks for in the DC Comics, which will probably not be in the Justice League movie. Oh my god, I was going to say, so did like fucking Zack Snyder like base Justice League on this movie? I hope that he based it on on the actual comics, but knowing Zack Snyder, who who knows, he could have been drunk and watched this and been like, that Jesse Ventura is a really good actor, and then made fucking Justice League. I don't know. Having only seen Batman v Superman, though, of course, since I am not a true Snyder head, because no, I've only seen the theatrical release, and no, I'm not watching the other version because I love myself. I mean, <laughs> I would say that, like, on a directorial style thing, he you could definitely draw some parallels between Batman and Superman and Jesse Ventura and his second, who was cl- so cleverly named Secundus. I mean, I gotta be honest, if not for the fact that I know that that word means second, it sounds like some sort of sex act. That would have made this a much more interesting movie. Yeah, it would have helped. And then the porn soundtrack would have made made sense. I mean, like, they had it right there. They literally had it set up with the music. They could have just had them kiss. God, I mean, if that had happened, if it had been like gay alien cops in love like that, I would have actually been like, it's a bad movie. But you know what? You go. Yeah, you, Representation. You go Give me the... <laughs> You know, you did something revolutionary there, because 1990, very homophobic year. Super homophobic year. So they definitely were going to do it. Like, of course not. Oh, no. But yeah, no, instead, Jesse Ventura gets to kiss the lady, and he, he finds it very pleasant and likes it. Well, and, and I mean, just like, okay, you know, again, like that Terminator parallel where it's like, oh, yeah, the sort of like, you know, the person who's going to save her and her son, and she and they end up like in a... Th- Thing? They phone. Question they mark? Phone. Yeah, it's mm, it's not great. Like, he just, like... But it's Michael Bean. Looks at her so, when she's you know. in the shower. I just... It's... Oh, in this movie, no, it's super awkward. Like, he just walks into the shower while she's naked and, like, walks awkwardly yeah. out. Like, I'm sorry. D- do, do the finders not have any kind of social training? Like, like, what are they doing? I mean, I guess when you're 11,000 years old, if you've seen one, you've seen them all, but... He seems surprised by them, actually. As though, like, he's not hung out with many women. Well, I mean, they did the thing where they're like, finders are not allowed to have relationships. Which, as soon as that came up, I was like, well, he's gonna fuck someone. He doesn't actually fuck anybody in this movie. Well, you know, he was... But he will. It was... It was it, yeah, it's... That's, like, it's heavily implied. It's a PG-13. Well, well, so I find what's interesting is that this film is entirely sexless in any traditional sense. It is, like, the least horny film I have seen <laughs> right? from 1990. Jesus Christ. It, it, like, it, 
removed all of the horniness from my body like salt sucks moisture away from a mummy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is it is an incredibly unsexy film, despite the fact that we're supposed to, I think, find Jesse Ventura sexy. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is... I hope not. No, no. I mean, no offense, Jesse Ventura, but, like, well, I'm also not really into Arnold Schwarzenegger, at least, like, from a body perspective, Arnold had more going on. I mean... So I'm going to say, like, the thing with Terminator that made it interesting to have Arnold as the Terminator was the fact that he is, by the standards of, like, you know, if you are a muscle queen, he is in- extremely attractive, and that is juxtaposed with the fact that he's an unfeeling robot that just wants to murder the shit out of everybody. True. Which is what kind of makes it, like, interesting, and especially in the first movie, um, you know, the guy who just, like, uh, his-, his name's Kyle, right? Yeah. But whatever, whatever his name was. Like, so when you put him up against Arnold, he's not like by himself a bad looking specimen. But when you put him up against Arnold, you're like, this man looks like a fucking hobo. <laughs> he's a twin. And, and he's the one who saves Sarah Connor and, and, and hits that, like the fist of an angry god and Sean Connor and all that. So that, like, in a way is an actually super interesting dynamic. Whereas in this one, you have like, Jesse Ventura, I don't know what that was all about, you know, whatever, like, if he's your type, good for you. And then, like, the guy who just spent his whole time looking like a constipated lumberjack. Which he does in this movie. It's so bizarre. They got a guy who's who's a strong man, and at no point, like, he just wanders around like, like a discount Paul Bunyan, just, like, attacking people. Can you explain to me why he is wearing a flannel shirt? I don't understand. That's a Minnesota thing. Did he steal it from someone? I, did I miss that? Because I was looking at the internet. Oh, no. So so in the, the movie, there's a moment when they mentioned that his um, he, he has re, like reconstituted his like genetic makeup to make his skin stronger. And that's what his skin becomes. It becomes flannel. Are you are you are you shitting me? No, but it sounds like honestly, it might as well be because the flannel fucking comes from nowhere. <laughs> Just... Oh, my God. <laughs> Flannel is the strongest material known for man. You heard it here first. He can even survive an Uzi. Like, okay, what's up with the fucking cop having an Uzi, like, from fucking nowhere? <laughs> They're running around with revolvers, and then he just all of a sudden is like, Uzi fucker. <laughs> and especially because, like, this is, it looks like relatively small town somewhere in Canada. Right. Like, you expect there to be a moose, and then this guy's got a fucking <laughs> Uzi. Like, that's just gonna piss the moose off. Does, does, does an Uzi not help with a moose problem? I don't, I don't think, I think it would just make the moose really mad at you. You're probably right. The bullets are like probably are too small and they don't go too fast enough. You probably just like bounces off its hide. Right? I mean, maybe so if he, if he recon- genetically reconstituted himself to have stronger skin, he should have just been a moose. He should have been a moose. <laughs> That's just a guy running around going, well, you're women. And he's just a giant moose and people fucking confused. Look. I feel like a moose would have been much more threatening and terrifying than him. He was just puzzling. That would be scary. If you're just like minding your, you come out of the bar one day and minding your business. And, and there's a, a fucking moose there. I would shit my pants. Fucking. Well, you should because a moose could kill you. Yeah. Moose can fucking dismantle you, man. Like yeah. moose way scarier than that. So <laughs> we're going to recast this movie with a moose's secundus. 
that's the that, the first time it's Sven, it's Sven, right? And, and and he captures him, and it's kind of easy. And then he's like, "Oh, he escaped again," and this time he's changed himself into a moose. <laughs> yes, but the moose is incongruously still wearing a, a little flannel. black and red flannel shirt. Yes. He's wearing flannel. <laughs> so then he is a super moose. A fucking super moose that cannot be killed. He's just walking walking into town being like, give me your women. I will make you pregnant. Oh my God. That was like, that was the other thing. I was sitting there going, did they find like this guy, this strongman guy with the accent because they were like, eh, close enough to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like what the fuck was that? No, no, no. This is the crazy thing. Arnold Schwarzenegger was for Jesse Ventura's role. So they didn't intend Arnold for the Sven role, the the Secundus. Wait, wait, they they tried to get Arnold in this movie and then he he laughed until he pulled a muscle? He decided to do Terminator 2 instead, which was obviously the better move, but <laughs> I mean, what a choice. Right? He was he was not going to be the Sven character of Secundus. He was going to be the other guy. So you you could have had two men with Accents incomprehensible without subtitles. Yeah, I mean that would have been better because I think it's there is an amusing the moment lines in this were movie. So bad, the, they're bad lines. No, the dialogue in this is pretty terrible. So there's this moment when they when they he finds him again, right? The second time he's escaped and he's reconstituted his skin into flannel, uh, and he's fighting him in the woods, which also worst choreography pretty much ever, even for a dude who literally was a professional fucking wrestler for like twenty years. Terrible choreography. So they're fighting, right? And then Secundus steals the dude's car, and then he's mean about it, right? He's like, "Ah, I will kill you. I will kill you and make your women pregnant." And then he steals his car and drives off. And then when uh, Abraxas shows up, he's like. Would you please give me like entry, like give me a ride, basically? But he's nice about it, and I think like what they had wanted this to be was, it would both be guys going, "Would you please give me a ride?" But like one would be the evil one, and one would be the nice one, and so it'd be like they're basically the same person, but Mm. one of them's nice, and one of them is an evil, power-hungry monster. But you can't tell the difference when they talk. And then they got Jesse Ventura, and that all went out the window. Interesting. I I don't know that. The writing is not good. It's not good. Honestly, this movie would have been better if they had just be, been more campy with it. Oh, God, yes. I mean, I'm, I am I am kind of wondering, like, what drugs Jesse Ventura was on that he managed, like, I, I mean, most of the lines were absolutely lifeless, but he still managed to deliver them with a straight face, so good for him. <laughs> well, he, he was trained in the fires of professional wrestling, so. It's true. I mean, he, I'm just imagining him looking at his pages and being like, Really? Okay, you're paying me. I feel like he wasn't that discerning. (laughs) Again, he was a professional wrestler. He was a heel in uh, WWF, and he was he was Jesse the Body Ventura. I I feel like the dialogue he saw in this, he was like, "No, that sounds very intellectual." Oh no, that's so sad. (laughs) Again, I don't know this for sure. I'm pretty sure Jesse Ventura has intentionally forgotten this movie, like almost everyone else. (laughs) So I think we've fully expanded upon th- my just absolute disgust for this movie. Yes, but I have not given my dislike. No, it's your turn. <laughs> it's my turn. So I, I just want to say that while I kind of liked the idea, 
I think the fact that the film doesn't bother to commit to the notion that Secundus can basically impregnate anybody by just touching their bellies, the fact that they don't really deal with the, the implications of that really kind of bugged me because you, know, that you noted you. very early, right, that he effectively rapes this woman, which based on the way that he he impregnates people is effectively a rape. And this is similar to like an alien, right? Alien gets interpreted a lot as a sort of reversal of a sort of rape allegory, but the one that affects men as well, because it's indiscriminate, right? It can in- implant its eggs into basically any anybody. And so suddenly anybody can be susceptible to this violation. This film doesn't even bother to deal with the, the prospect that there is a beefy flannel wearing man who can literally run around and impregnate people at will with almost no real effort. And that isn't discussed in any way. In fact, the main character, her most difficult problem with becoming pregnant with an alien baby that is born within like two minutes is that all of the the men in her life basically treat her like shit because they think she's a, a, a dirty whore, basically. I mean, honestly, other than the wheatgrass juice, that was the thing I found that was really felt the most true to the 90s. I mean, it is. It is super true to the 90s. And and I think this film is is t- not treating that as though that's good. I think it's, inten- it's intentionally taking her perspective, which is like, these people are actually wrong. And there is a moment in, with the, the principal, right, where where he's kind of like telling her, like, well, we only want normal kids here. And, and she's like, well, have you ever thought of just telling the kids not to bully him? And he's like, no, I never thought of that. I'm going to do that. Right. So there are moments in this film where I think it wants to grapple with different sorts of issues dealing with how men treat women. But in terms of the Secundus stuff, it doesn't commit to it. It's just a thing that happens. And the film doesn't want to deal with the fact of like, I'm sorry, but if I were minding my own business one night and I was out with also a super rapey dude because that that guy she went on a date with was oh ooh, no he was bad he was bad i was glad he got pulled out of the car but i don't think he died i think he i think he shows up later and gets hit by the car i think that's him but anyway the point is like if i am on a date and i get pulled out by a beefy flannel man in the middle of the night in the snow and then all of a sudden i give birth to a child like three and a half minutes later like that's gonna be some psychological trauma Right, regardless of any other thing happening in my life, like you just went through a pregnancy that normally takes about nine months in three minutes. That's 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 terrifying. And this film doesn't deal with it. No, not at all. Like the, it feels like the most that it kind of tries to deal with it is like that just absolutely embarrassing scene where at one point the the lady with the extremely dry hair is kind of like yelling at Jesse Ventura. And then hits him and hurts herself because she hits him. Yeah. The weird thing is, like, up until that point, I felt like it hadn't really mistreated her. But then when it got to her, it made her look so, like, petty and weak and pathetic Hmm. that I was just like, really? Yeah, I, I feel like they don't really know what to do with her character because she's, like, this object. Well, they sure don't know what to do with her hair either. Fair enough. But she's like an object that the plot needs to be in certain places rather than like it tries. I I give it some credit that it actually tries by having her go through all the social services and dealing with, you know, the kind of inherent sexism that exists in that system. I, I appreciate that it showed that. But for the most part, it just sort of like she just appears because the plot necessitates her presence, right? She punches him because the plot necessitates her to have a sort of petty moment or, right, she is romantically entangled with him because the plot necessitates it, not because it's a natural change, right? Just because they were like, oh, these guys are making them kind of like robotic, so... 
obviously his big character development will be like he wants to fuck a lady. Yeah, I will say, and I think this is an important thing to note, that of all of the men in her life, Jesse Ventura's character is the only one that hasn't treated her like shit. That is correct. Which is sadly wild. Because not only is she spurring the advances of this kind of fascistic wheatgrass-eating cop, She's got to deal with all the social... Her parents have abandoned her, right? Specifically her father, because the mother basically says nothing. You know, the father has has basically disowned her. All of the social service people she's dealt with are men. Uh, the principal doesn't take her serious. Like, all of the men in her life have treated her like women have been treated in a lot of cases, right? Very sexist and so on. Except Jesse Ventura, who just shows up and is just emotionless, but doesn't really lie to her. He doesn't treat her poorly in any way. He basically just shows up and says, I'm here to help. And that's kind of it, which is not necessarily the basis of a relationship, although it helps if somebody treats you nice. That's that's certainly nice. But in a way, the film almost makes sense why of all of the men in her life, she would pick Jesse Ventura. It's just that it doesn't want to develop that. It, it basically just reconstitutes the nuclear family at the end, right? Uh, this is where that sexless thing comes in because there's basically no sex in this movie. And in fact, they have to become a family at the end before they can proceed past the awkward kiss they have in the kitchen. Yeah. You know? And we assume that they are going to be a couple and a family and he, all of that stuff uh, because they drive off into the virtual sunset. I th- feel like the film really needed more time to actually develop that relationship which i realize is a terrible prospect because this movie could have been 30 minutes longer no 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 it could not no (laughs) i no i refuse it was already it was already almost as long as the snyder cut i mean i it is a it is a pretty long-winded film and it has many an issue (laughs) to say the least it's it's not great yeah i mean there are aspects of it that i enjoy Like, I appreciate that it's clear they did not have a budget. And so they did the best that they could to convey this science fiction concept with, you know, some some pretty limited. No, see, I'm going to point I'm going to push back on that. Oh, do it. Because they had a science fiction concept. You can do that on a low budget where you can explain things. But there was so many scenes in this movie where it was just Jesse Ventura or the flannel guy or those random ass dudes that were um, lit from below in the fucking control room who had like vocal distortion just saying a bunch of random fucking sci-fi shit that didn't make any sense. They're finders, don't you know? That was like not a low budget issue. That was a fucking terrible script issue. Well, the script is bad. The script is just bad in general. It's just so bad. And I mean, if it had been an otherwise competently put together film, I would have been happy to let the laughable like special effects slide. But no. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, the the shit they made some of those men say, I was just like, well, I mean, bless. (laughs) Well, look. I think we're about there. It, I'll I'll pause from typing my my Elizabeth pegging Darcy fanfiction. <laughs> All right, Alex. I think it is time for final thoughts and grades, and so I will let you go first. What are your final thoughts and your grade for this film? I mean, my final thoughts are mostly just like it's a bad movie and it should feel bad. It was like Canadian Terminator knockoff, but with no moose in it. I would have liked it more if there was a moose. An inco- an absolutely fucking incongruous soundtrack. Yeah, that just belonged in an entirely different movie. I just 
there is nothing in this movie that was actually right. Plus, I, you know, knock off Canadian Linda Hamilton's hair is just <laughs> embarrassingly, like, girl, hot oil. Love your hair. Love like, your you hair. you gotta do better. She's bald now. Oh, she probably is. They <laughs> blow dried her until it all fell out. Yeah. Like, so, on a grade, I mean, I, I, I'd say it's a D minus. Okay. Sorry, Jesse Ventura. He's disavowed the existence of this film. He went on to become governor of Minnesota. He's fine. I mean, is that is that why, like, the only place we could find it was on Tubi? Because he's had, like, all the other masters burned? I think, honestly, it's on Tubi because it, Tubi must have good connections in Canada. I think that's the only reason. Mm, that would make it, sense. It also probably is one of those things where, like, nobody cares about the rights for this. So if Tubi's willing to pay, like, 13 cents... They'll take it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, oh, wow, somebody actually wanted to watch this. Okay, cool. Yeah, but okay. So, my final thoughts about this film. If I'm honest, I didn't hate it. It's not. It's not good, right? I mean, it is lo- super low budget. The fight scenes are some of the most laughable hot bullshit I've ever seen. There's literally a fight scene that is just them awkwardly punching each other in slow motion. It's pretty bad. That said, I think that I you could if you were doing shots. And we're just watching this for the lulls of just how utterly absurd it is. It could be a little bit of fun, which is something I can't say from for other films that we have covered for Torture Cinema, in which I would say even with alcohol, it's not fun. It's very, that is very true. Yeah, like you could almost be like, say, drink a shot every time Secundus says something absolutely bananas in his accent. I'm just saying. Which would be, you'd be drunk before the halfway mark because he says some banana stuff throughout this. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, like, it is super poorly put together. It is, at best, a terrible ripoff of of anything from the Terminator franchise. And for that reason, I don't hate it, but I will have to give it a D. That seems fair. Look, I, I we've watched some stuff for this where it's like, I don't ever want this to come on again. This, if it were on TV, I still would turn the channel off. But I would pause for a hot second to ponder what I am witnessing. <laughs> Which is not something I can say for some other films that we have watched. I mean, that seems fair. That's it. So thanks so much, everybody, for joining us today for Torture Cinema. If you'd like to let us know what you thought about you know, this episode or anything else, again, skiffingfanty.com slash listener suggestions. You can follow us at skiffingfanty on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe to our newsletter uh, at skiffingfanty.com slash newsletter. Finally, uh, you can find us on patreon.com slash skiffingfanny if you want to support what we do and join us for live watches or even to vote for the film, you bastards. Uh, (laughs) Or, you know, the other way to support us is leave us a five-star review on the iTunes. It helps a lot. Yeah. So you can find me at Sean Duke on Twitter, seanduke.net, or patreon.com slash thejoyfactory. All right, and you can find me at Katsy Donbury on Twitter. Katsudon.net is my personal website, or patreon.com slash Donbury if you are interested in me watching, you know, doing TV recaps or occasionally watching terrible movies or also watching not terrible movies. So, fun stuff. That's great. Awesome. So, I will leave everybody with what I think is the motto for this show, which is a very important statement from a friend of ours. Uh, you may may know them, Alex, as uh, as Sven, the very fine fellow. And so I will channel Sven for everybody oh, for this, no. this exit. Oh, no. You all are pregnant now. Oh, God. And on that note, awkward ending and scene. You're welcome, citizens. You're welcome.
If you want to support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty or skiffyandfanty.com, our website, where you can get access to all of our fancy things. Our music comes from Holy Mole. You can support him and his work at patreon.com slash holy mole. Thank you for listening. <laughs>